Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. The podcast where I try to catch up my friend Gabe going year by year, reintroducing him to some of the pop culture phenomenons that happened while he was being homeschooled and sheltered from the outside world. The Simpsons become the longest-running animated TV show. The average cost of a new car was $16,900. 56K modems didn't arrive until 1997. New FDA rules prohibit retailers from selling cigarettes, loose cigarette tobacco, and smokeless tobacco to anyone under the age of 18. They did it. Finally, they finally got people to stop smoking. Why did I think this was happening a lot? Is this why I was never getting carded when I was buying cigarettes at 15? It must have been. FDA was was a loophole. Because I used to put my cigarettes next to my liquor and they had no problem. Just, you know, everything went through. This shocked me. I really thought this whole under 18 for tobacco had been on for like, you know, the 80s or something. Forever. Yeah. I mean... I guess I I never went and tried to buy until much later, so it felt like every other age restriction that I've ever run into. Yeah, for me it was like I was like, I I guess I wasn't cool. I guess everybody was buying them. <laughs> I thought I thought I had an understanding with the shopkeep. I thought I did too. I thought I did too. <laughs> uh, so what? Uh, remind us real quickly. What's going on in 1997 for you? Yeah, I'm nine, and then uh, I'm I'm just there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of playing outdoors. I think this is around the time that uh, we got our own uh, computer uh, as a family. We had our own uh, desktop somewhere in this vicinity. I very much remember 56k noises, <laughs> and going forward in time too, not just here because there was a period where yeah, that was all that was available. So that is a staple of my childhood. I am 17 and, again, living my best life, running amok around the city. Buying loose cigarettes. Buying loose cigarettes. <laughs> Not getting carded. <laughs> Yay. Uh, you know, uh, like I mentioned before, like realizing I don't know what I want to do after high school, looking at my options, potentially, you know, weeks, months away from talking to a Marine Corps recruiter. So, 97 is a heck of a year. Heck of a year. And speaking of heck of a year, uh, the first movie we're going to talk about, have you seen the movie Con Air? Yes. Oh, all right. For those who haven't seen it, um, the film centers around a prison break aboard a justice, a criminal justice airplane, prisoner uh, transportation system aircraft. Yeah, a plane. I don't, I don't remember how a fish is, but yeah, prisoner yeah. transport. But prisoner transport and a prison break. It stars the national treasure, Nicolas Cage, Good John one. Cusack, John Malkovich, with stellar performances by Steve Buscemi, Ving Rhames, Dave Chappelle, and Danny Trejo. Okay. Now the and yeah, and that that was the other thing. It was called Con Air because 
that was the nickname that is used in the movie about, you know, you know how you have Delta Air and, you know, Southwest Airlines. Con Airlines was the joke within the movie because it was a bunch of cons being, you know, transported. Grossed $224 million on an $80 million budget. All right. It was actually nominated for Best Original Song and Best Sound uh, at the um, at the awards the next year. One guess, Gabe. Who did they lose both of those categories to? Oh, was that uh, Titanic was the exactly, exactly. Oh, man, in, in an alternate universe. <laughs> so many movies won awards <laughs> when Titanic was delayed by like like a short period, like a month, right? It came out in de- December. December. Oh, man. <laughs> Dude, that movie just it, 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 it created so many multiverses. It's not even it, funny. It beat up. It beat up other movies and took their lunch money. Basically. So, what do you remember about Con Air? It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Uh, I don't remember. My, I just I remember Nicolas Cage playing one of the the many people that live inside Nick Cage's head. <laughs> I just imagine is how is how he does this. He's not acting. I don't think in his movies. <laughs> he's he's just, just shuffling through. He's just living one of his he's characters. Just one of the personalities. <laughs> oh my god, that's fucking hilarious. He had like he had like long hair in it, which was just uh, long hair, and he had a a choice a southern accent that would come and go. <laughs> I think his accents always come and go if he's got them. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, yeah, no, the plane. I, it's, it's does the plane go down? It goes down in Vegas, Gabe. Yeah. No, it, that's the location. I don't recall. It's been so very long since I saw that movie. Yep, I remember it. it they do an emergency landing on the strip, yep. son. Wow, that's more relevant to me now than it would have been when I saw it. Exactly. I think I think they end up. I think it it takes out the. Um, I, I'm visualizing this in, visualizing this in my head, and I think it takes out the the giant guitar at the Hard Rock Cafe, which again not on the strip, <laughs> but it's a great visual. But it was in 1997, before they moved it off strip. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I re- there's going to be like a pantheon of movies that for like all the change, because Vegas is such a changing, ever changing cityscape, but like movies, there's movies that are going to landmark. Like there was that one of the resident evils has a bit of the strip in there. I don't like remember. All zombie I... stuff. They climb, they climb the, uh, the Eiffel tower and shoot down from it. Somebody like it's, so we're going to be able, at some point you're going to be able to go through the years and see how the strip has changed in the movies. Nice. I guess you already can. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I remember watching it. And again, it's just one of those movies that you just take for what it is. It's just a good old fashioned action movie. It's kind of it's right up there with like another Nick Cage uh, classic, The Rock. You know, it's just what it is. That is exactly what you think this movie is based on that description is exactly what this movie is. <laughs> Fantastic should, movie, though. I think everybody I should, should watch, watch it, it in, in preparation for his current I gotta tell you, man, I am so looking forward to that movie. That uh, me movie too, looks, honestly. It, and even even in that movie, like you said, it just seems like he went through the Rolodex and found a Nick Cage version of himself to maybe, be himself. Maybe one from the universe where this one got to win its uh, win its awards. Maybe, maybe. Uh, the next movie, uh, I'm curious to see if you've you actually seen Donnie Brasco. I haven't. Okay. What do you do? You know what do you know about it, or do you know anything about it? I couldn't tell you anything about it. I know I've heard a lot. Like I've heard it referenced a lot 
Okay. I've heard the name come up uh, a number of times. Style, uh, stars Al Pacino and Johnny Depp with uh, Michael Madsen. Based on a nonfiction book called Donnie Brasco, My Undercover Life in the Mafia by Joseph D. Pistone and Richard Woodley. So based on a real life, uh, Johnny Depp does love playing himself real characters. A um, $35 million budget made $125 million. Nominated for... Writing screenplay based on a material previously produced or published. So screenplay based on a book. One guess. Who do you think this movie lost the Academy Award to? Was Titanic a book before? No, but that's your first clue. Uh, okay, because I was going to say, like, I, I, I wouldn't know because that's not a book I would have read. Oh, we talked about another one that won some. Which one was that last time? I can't. It's, Ooh, I know I it's remember. I know it's been a week, Gabe, and you forgot it everything. You forgot everything we talked about, and you it's, obviously don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> it's been such an exciting week. <laughs> so it did lose to L.A. Confidential, also ah, yeah, screenplay yeah, yeah. based on a book. That one was the book. So I, that's a fair loss, though. Oh no, See, that's that a was a, that was an honorable loss because you lost to something else that was. Titanic just didn't come in and kick you in the in the stones and take your take your trophy. It was like the one award that Titanic couldn't take because <laughs> you know what? You could have told me Titanic was a book though, and I would like I would have just been like, wow, that it makes sense, I guess. You're like Titanic's also, an amazing movie. Hey, since we're talking about Titanic much, it was three VHSs. <laughs> I had forgotten and I got reminded that it was three. And I was like, that's right, because two wasn't crazy unusual, right? Because a long, long movie might be two. That was a long, long, long movie. Ergo, it was three. I, I want to picture this in my head, but I, when I, whenever I think of a, of a movie that required two VHSs, I always think Braveheart. Yeah. And Scarface. Those are the only two that I ever held in my hand that were in our collection of movies that were double. I and again, I never had Titanic. I never saw it, so don't know. But wait, so did yeah. it did it cost more? Because now you have more tape and more you know i don't i don't even know if a double one cost more because i i wasn't i wasn't of movie purchasing i didn't purchase cigarettes or movies at this point <laughs> in time by the time i went to purchase movies i think dvds <laughs> were around but remember this is also a time when like the movie would come out and then like a year later it'd be available to buy and rent on yeah, like, now on, like be, nowadays you'd have your ads on the VHS that's coming soon to VHS. Yeah, yeah. I think back then they really milked the audience at the theater before they even gave you the opportunity to buy or rent. Yeah, COVID. COVID was a reversal of fortunes for them. Jokes on them. We're all like, no, I think I'll just watch it on TV. <laughs> I still haven't seen the Batman or, or uh, Spider-Man No Way Home because I don't want to pay $19 to rent to rent it at home. I refuse to. it or what, guys? <laughs> it's going to get to $5.99 on Amazon. I can wait. I can wait it out, guys. I waited this well, long. I got time. I <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Neither is COVID. <laughs> uh, no, I remember watching this movie and actually saw it in the last two years. It holds up, dude. It's a really... Al Pacino's performance is ridiculous because he is not... He's not like the... So Johnny Depp plays the main character, Donnie Brasco. Um, Al Pacino plays the supporting actor in, in the sense of like, he's not the main character. He's not who you're following. But halfway through that movie, you're caring a lot more about Al Pacino's character because of the impact that he's having on the main character. His performance is, is, is really, really good. And Johnny Depp, I mean, when this dude gets into character, there, there is nobody better. There really is not. No, it's a great movie. I, I recommend it. I recommend watching it. It's a fantastic movie. Third movie we'll talk about 
and I'm I'm gonna guess you've seen it based on the director, Jackie Brown. I haven't. Oh my god, Gabe. There's a few of Tarantino's that I haven't. He's only seen. got nine, Gabe, or ten, I think. I know. There's like I'd have to look at the list, but that's one that I have not seen. I haven't seen a couple of new ones either. Um, okay, so Tarantino, his third movie, third directorial movie, starring Pam Greer in the title role of Jackie Brown, along with, you know, of course, Samuel Action Jackson. Uh, Robert, Robert Forster does an amazing performance in this movie. You have Bridget Fonda, Michael Keaton, and Robert De Niro. Uh, it's a, an ensemble cast, as always. This is an adaptation of uh, a book called Rum Punch, but obviously not nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> Ouch. $12 million budget, by the way. Because Of course. Uh, made $74 million worldwide. Uh, Robert Foster was... Uh, Forrester, sorry. Was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Gabe. Who did he lose this to based on the conversations we've had? I'm just going to guess Titanic because they won everything. <laughs> One of, well, well, supporting actor. So who would, from the movies oh, we who, talked about? Who in that? Yeah. Or just, um, I'm not going to remember the name. It's fine. Not in Titanic, though. It was um, Robin Williams from Goodwill Hunting. Oh, yeah, that's right. Now He got supporting. Yeah. Well, that's that's a... That's a that's a hard one to go up against. Yeah, no, there's no way you could always. Didn't he win that multiple times? I would probably say yes, but uh, off the top he was of my a head, supporting character, you know, quite what? frequently. Let's go ahead and put in the uh, hold music real quick. We know your time is valuable. Thank you for holding. Someone will be with you as soon as possible. Thank you for your call. We appreciate your business and the opportunity to assist you. Please continue to hold. A representative is working hard to take your call just as soon as possible. So he's gotten four uh, Academy Award nominations, but he's only won one. I'm offended. <laughs> you like I'm offended for him? <laughs> I, I am. Uh, let's see actor. here. Oh, good morning, Vietnam. Wow. Yeah, see, again, the best actor, but it was so he's nominated for best actor three times, and then he finally wins, but they give him best supporting actor. Yeah, that's it's preposterous. All right, moving on to our fourth movie that I want to talk about because it's a classic to me, and it's somebody whose career I have followed since the early 90s and still do now. I think one of the kings of uh independent filmmaking, uh, Chasing Amy comes out in 1998. Do you know that film? I know it by name, uh, not not from having seen it. Okay, romantic uh, comedy drama written and directed by Kevin Smith, starring Ben Affleck, Joey Lauren Adams, and Jason Lee. Jason Lee, who goes on to do uh, My uh, Name is Earl. And you know what the interesting thing about Jason Lee is? He retired from uh, being a professional skateboarder and started his, his film career in his early 20s. Literally, literally just saw that headline yesterday. That I could have told you if you did what he did previously. I would have actually done that because I read it last night. The only reason I would remember that is because I saw it last night. But isn't that incredible how there was a time when, like, skateboarding, you retired in your early 20s because there was nobody had gone past that? 
to create to make a career out of it, right? Yeah, it, because we have all lived through what is Tony Hawk. So thanks, but he, but even look, even Tony Hawk, dude, in '95, like when the X Games came, it, it revived, uh, it revived skateboarding. '98, '99, I think was when he releases uh, Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater. Um, but with but there's a huge gap between like early '90s where skateboarding is not a thing anymore. And again, like there is nobody that's looking at it and seeing there's a life after 25 with skateboarding at 30. He's in his 50s right now, and he's still he's still doing tricks. That guy can't be stopped. So yes, Jason he's also Lee building parks everywhere. Jason Lee was the co-star of this film, and when I say the king, and I think the undisputed king of like indie films, this movie was uh, 250 thousand dollars to make. Okay, grossed 12 million. From my history that I know of Kevin Smith, he normally has like his first movie Clerks was for thirty thousand, so he went up in budget between Mallrats and Chasing Amy because of of the accolades that he was getting for those films. I remember he did another independent film in the last ten fifteen years where he did four million. The only movie that he didn't do that wasn't independent was Cop Out, starring Bruce Willis and um, Tracy Morgan, thirty million dollar budget on that one. Flop. Bruce Willis was most of it, I imagine. It was. <laughs> no, what we know about him. But yeah, no, um, it's uh, yeah. So I, I've always been a fan of, of Kevin Smith and the work that he does yeah. because of like working with little. Plus, he's created his own little universe where the same actors and the same characters pop up in all his films. You know, Clerks One, Clerks Two, Clerks Three, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Jay and Silent Bob, I think, come out in all his movies that are not in, that they're not supposed to be in. They are in Chasing Amy. Um, you know, they are in Mallrats. They're, they started in Clerks. They, I, I think maybe, maybe uh, War, uh, Tusks or like Yoga Hosers they're not in. But, he, you know, it, it's beautiful to see this guy who created this universe. And, and to then be able to pull Ben Affleck into a movie to do like his five or 10 minutes when he's Batman and when everybody wants him, but Ben Affleck pays respect to the person who was giving him work and no one else was, <laughs> you know, it's impressive. I, I love his films. Uh, chasing he Amy. He's like such a genuine guy too. He does. He does. In he, all his interviews and very honest, incredibly too honest. I think sometimes my opinion, uh, but no, Jason Amy is a, a, a really, really fun movie about, um, um, romantic relationship between a boy and a girl she happens to be into girls, gets into guys, he falls in love, finds out something about her, and just, you know, uh, a, a really, really, really nice movie. Now, this one we're going to just, this is going to be a throwaway film, because thanks to this movie, we have, we have this song. Oh yeah, back when I believe every movie contract that Will Smith had included him doing the title song for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I sing the song. It's in there. You you signed yeah, it. Yeah, you signed it. I got the song ready. <laughs> yeah, it's in the song. 
you know, again, look, I, I actually do like the Men in Black movies. I think they're fun for what they are. I think they did a wonderful job with part three when they go back in time and Josh Brolin is doing an imitation of a young Tommy Lee Jones. I think that was one of the most brilliant things they've ever done. Um, but you know, it's those movies that they were, they were what they were. They were Will Smith movies, you know, but yeah, that came out in 97. Just wanted to bring that up just because of that pre, song. Pre-slap Will Smith movies. Too soon, Gabe. Too soon. We don't get into <laughs> politics in this show. You know this. Goodness. Let's, let's, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Popular TV shows of 1997, as we've mentioned, Seinfeld, ER, Veronica's Closet, Friends, and Monday Night Football. And obviously The Simpsons. And obviously The Simpsons. TV shows that ended that year. If I play this for you, would this ring any bells? guess that by the look on your face this does not ring a bell <laughs> it's the music does and i don't have a clue though because it's that really like uh it's just blues very, right just blues it's very very soulful i feel like i should know it i feel like i've heard it this is where we go into six degrees of separation right very right. soulful soul music for the soul soul family show about a family okay okay we're no no we're not gonna <laughs> The show was Roseanne. Did you ever watch that I definitely that one? heard it. Okay. No, I did not. Basically, it was, um, it was on from, from 88 to 97, and it briefly came back for a season or two in 2018, but then she had her issues with the whole politics, which yeah. we're not going to talk about. The show stars Roseanne Barr, the comedian, as Roseanne Connor. And revolves around her family in the fictional town of Lanford, Illinois. John Goodman plays the husband. A few people on that show ended up uh, with pretty decent careers. Um, I never, I, okay, I, I never watched it uh, steadily. I watched a few episodes. It just wasn't for me in my late teens. But it was a widely popular show. I remember that one of the things that they always talk about, what changed the game in the show was that in the first season even though it was her show the producers had let us say in it but once the show picked up in success she was able to take control of the show again and hire more female writers more female staff to give a lot of uh, a lot of uh, opportunities for for up-and-coming um, female um, artists so uh, that's one of the positives but again never a show I watched but very popular at the time I remember it yeah, no, I was uh I was I was aware of it and I'm sure I've heard that somewhere at some point. TVs were playing everywhere. They were playing everywhere. So, yeah, um, I I definitely heard that song. Another show that I didn't watch, but again, wildly popular, Coach. Does that ring a bell? I know the name. It was a sitcom that was on from 89 to 97. It starred uh Craig T. Nelson, you might know him from the movie Poltergeist, but also the voice of Mr. Incredible. And he played a head coach of a fictional uh, university football team and the hijinks that come with that between family and work. That's all I can tell you about that show. But it was popular for it to be on for, uh, you know, eight, nine years. 
Yeah, right. It was both of those shows were like approximately my age at the time. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're gonna take another swing here and see if this theme song rings a bell. If it doesn't, think about maybe is this music uh, making you feel a certain way? Does it sound familiar, or does it make you think of a character? It 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 reminds me. It's not the the same as from the movie, but it, it makes me think of Superman. Like it sounded Superman. Oh, very honestly. nice. This is Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman, the TV show. That's some that's some really good uh, uh, composing on whoever's part. Kind of captured that same, but not quite. They didn't take the exact. But okay. it gives you the air, right? Of yeah. Like, in this case, the flying of composed by Jay Grushka, um, so not, uh, not not John Williams, not not the man himself, not the man himself. No, yeah, this was uh, starring Dean Cain as Superman slash Clark Kent and Terry Hatchet, Hatcher as uh, Lois Lane. It aired from ninety three to ninety seven, so it ended in ninety seven. It's a decent run for a for that kind of material. Oh, at yeah. that time, I think. Like yeah. a lot of su- superheroes, so they struggled to get it to get an audience and engage, it seemed like. Yeah. And speaking of superheroes, a show that started in 97 about superhero, Spawn. HBO, in 1997, had a short-lived 2-year series of um the animated uh, television version of Spawn. Was that Have you ever seen it? Uh I haven't seen the animated. I saw the movie, which um we should have talked about it in this episode, <laughs> but uh, we are cognizant. We are cognizant of time, unfortunately, and there's not a lot of positive things to say about Spawn, except for the fact that no. John Leguizamo's in it. <laughs> there's the connection. There's the connection. But maybe we'll talk about it in the next episode. But I should have planned that. But then at the same time, I was like, "There's too many good movies," and Spawn yeah. was like, "Is not it really is it ten or eleven? And it turns out it's number eleven what happens but yeah it was on hbo it was actually a really good show what it did really well is by being on hbo it allowed for the type of graphic material that the comic book was about you wouldn't have been able to get away with that on on regular television so i think having had an hbo was a really good move on their side smart now this is a cool one i was still watching this now okay because this show's been on for probably 26 years at this point antiques roadshow Oh yeah, I thought you might Definitely be into this. That. I thought you, this might have been PBS. allowed in your home. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, American television program uh, on public broadcasting service PBS. Um, the program features local antique owners who bring in items to be appraised by experts. It is the American version of a British TV show from the seventies. Let's be let's be honest there, and it's Much still like America is a version of English society from. Oof. Too soon, Too soon. <laughs> the colonies are restless. Um, but it's still going on now. What they've been doing because of the pandemic was instead of letting people bring all their stuff in line, 
they now like select individuals and they keep a distance and they appraise from, you know, from afar. Yeah. So it's still going on now. I love this show, dude. I still watch this show. It's a shockingly relaxing winning formula because you've got like, first of all, you've got stuff that you'd never see normally, right? You've got things that like, you're not going to think furniture, books, toys, old toys, whatever, right? And every now and again, you get to see something that's worth like, oh, yeah, it's worth like $5 million. And the person just like, try not to lose their mind on television because it's PBS and it's, you, you don't get to lose your mind on PBS. Yeah. Everybody's very calm. Very, very calm. collected. Yeah. It's a great show. I love watching it. It and, is great. And, and you can jump in in any year and you don't, you're not missing out matter. on anything. They've done, they've done these really cool things. And I think they did it during the pandemic was where they re-updated the price of the, of the item. So they show you the old clip and then they show you in 1992, it was worth this in 2018. It's worth this. And it's like got more expensive or it lost some value. That's kind of cool. That is interesting. One more show that started in 97. Curious to see if you'll recognize this theme song. And if you even watch this TV show. Anything? I don't recognize that at all. Okay. This was a TV show called Daria uh, on MTV back in 97. It ran for five years. I did not have any access to MTV at this point in my life. But five years, Gabe. It went into 2002. I'm just saying. Barely. It clipped the edge. The edge of my time. It was a spinoff, though, from Mike Judge's Beavis and Butthead, in which Daria uh, was a reoccurring character. And he did not have anything to do with the show, except for the fact that he created the character. But it was a spinoff uh, off of that. He could not work on Daria because he was too busy working on King of the Hill. Little uh, little fact there for you. But it was about a, a high school. It was an animated show. It was a, uh, about a high school girl who's incredibly sarcastic, incredibly smart. Uh, and it's a very funny high school uh, comedy. So uh, it was about it's about every every high schooler, except the smart again, part, I guess a smart, sarcastic female character. Sarcastic for sure. Oh, for sure. That's rife, rife in that in that time of life. <laughs> People who died in um, in 1997. Now this one, I'm just gonna play one of my favorite songs because of the intro to this song is. I, I love this song so much, and it just pumps me up right from the beginning. This was on the playlist episode that we listened to, Gabe. Just makes me want to move. Notorious B.I.G. passed away at the age of 24 in uh, 1997 after being uh, shot and killed. Now, obviously, like, there's not much to fill in and everybody knows who Biggie is. Everybody knows the influence he's had on rap and music. Uh, And, you know, anyone rapping now will say, you know, Notorious was an influence on them. Um, But yeah, he passed away in 97. This one, I did not necessarily watch or pay attention to but i know he was a huge huge 
uh, entertainer between 1937 and 1971. So this is why I think it might be on your uh, recollection. Red Skelton. I do know that name. So he died at the age of 84 in 97. But he, yeah, he was basically uh, radio and television shows from the late 30s to the early 70s. That he was a comedian, uh, did a lot of that work, had his own show. Just, uh, you know, again, like an, a person that influenced so many other comedians uh, based on his comedy. Again, was not on my radar, but I'm a huge I Love Lucy fan. I'm a huge, uh, you know, fan of comedy from that era. The Flip Wilson, the, you know, the Rat Pack and all those guys doing their stuff. You know, uh, early, early Don Rickles. This guy's name always popped up when everybody, you know, when everybody talked about him. There's a cool little fact about him. His later years, he was doing a lot of personal appearances and he's, he started working on paintings. It became his hobby until the, until the time of his death, right? His art dealer said that he thought Skelton had earned more money through his paintings than from his television performances. <laughs> When your side hustle makes you more money than your your day job, damn. Yeah, yeah. If only to I, be that successful, right? But I, I thought he might have been on your radar just because you know. I definitely heard the name, old timey. Yeah. Here's another one that definitely should be on your radar. Jacques Cousteau, 1997, passed away. Explorer. Yep, naval officer, explorer, conservation, conserva- conservationist. Oof. Conservationist, right? Am I saying that yep. right? Okay. Conservationist, yep. Filmmaker, scientist, photographer, author, and researcher uh, who studied uh, sea life and forms of life in water. Died of a heart attack in 97 at the age of 87. His legacy is basically 120 television documentaries, more than 50 books, and an environmental protection foundation. Is that all? Is that, yeah, that's all. I've seen his old footage. I always thought it was I've cool. I've seen some of it too. Uh, obviously, like uh, Wes Anderson's Life Aquatica is loosely, if not heavily, based on Jacques Cousteau. Um, but yeah, I remember in my science classes in junior high, like they would play his videos uh, to show you like marine wildlife or marine life. Um, so his name always came up in those old. And my old my teacher used to love his stuff too, like my science teacher. Still, still so much to be explored in that realm. That's crazy. Right? The last person we'll talk about who passed away in 97. Does the name Burgess Meredith ring a bell? Possibly. It sounds, it sounds like it's from the era of names I would. Yes, I exactly. Would he is, actually. He established himself as a leading man in Hollywood uh, with critically acclaimed performances uh, in Winterset. In of Mice and Men, the original from 1939, mm. and as Ernie Pyle in the story of G.I. Joe in 1945. Meredith was later known in his career for his appearances in The Twilight Zone and portraying the arc villain, the Penguin, in the 1960s TV series Batman. Now, he then, oh my God, that's how it ends. He then is best known for Mickey Goodmill in the Rocky film series. He plays the coach. He received Academy Award nominations for Best Supporting Actor for Rocky in 75, 76. 
Died at the age of 89 from complications of Alzheimer's disease and melanoma. Oof. I still watch uh, the 1966 Batman, and I, it blows me away that the same guy who played Mickey in the Rocky movie is the Penguin. <laughs> That's funny. You know what's great, too? Um, he was not a smoker, but the Penguin is a smoker in the 60s one, so every time you see him puffing, he always just would, I guess, you know, the story is he would just blow out the smoke because he was actually, he couldn't, couldn't do it. Just wasn't like he just didn't want to do it, so he never bothered learning, and they would fake the smoking for him so that he could play the character. <laughs> Very Perfect. cool guy, though. Very cool guy. Too cool for just smoking. He was. He wouldn't even do that. Wouldn't even do Very that. Surpassed. Yeah, my intro to him would have been would have been uh, Rocky, probably. I think that was it. I think for us, um, it would have been that because. Uh, we were probably, you know, we were probably not um, not watching the 66 Batman in 75, you know, so um, she would have been, uh, he would have been like way more um, known to the 75 people about 66, but to us in the 80s, 90s, we would have known more about the 75, you know? Yeah. Okay, moving on to music. We have... This hit that you could not get away from in 1997, Gabe. Oh, yeah. I know that you've heard this song, right? <laughs> I have. I absolutely have. Apparently, it was a big hit. I still reference that to this day. <laughs> Just want to build up to what 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 you really really want. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you got to build that suspense. Sometimes you really do want that. Um, the Wallflowers were also debuted in '97. Wallflowers, um, Jacob Dylan, son of Bob Dylan. Um, that album I still listen to. I think one uh, one headlight and Sixth Street. No wait, Sixth Avenue Heartbreak. I mean, beautiful songs. His rendition of uh, David Bowie's Heroes, fantastic. Uh, they came out in 97. And then um, I was never a fan of, of modern country, like late 80s, I mean, late 90s, early 2000s, or even current country. But Leon Rimes came out in 97 also, and she is, uh, at the age of 14, became the youngest person ever to win a Grammy for her uh, music. Yeah. She is now probably younger than me, older than you, though, Gabe. <laughs> Okay, so with the minutes we have left, um, let's talk a little bit about tech. Just one specific toy that came out that I think, uh, you know, we can spend a couple minutes talking about. The Nintendo 64 comes out in 1997. Monolith of gaming technology. Okay. $169 in 1997, the equivalent nice. of about $300 now. I remember Which, it's cheap for now. For <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Nintendo. I'm gonna say, what does a Switch cost? Like 500, probably at this point. If you get like the the OLED one, it might be a little more, and the other one might be a little less. But that ballpark, yeah. Obviously, I don't have one. I think I still have a PS4, and I still have an original Nintendo from 1987. <laughs> gotcha. But yeah, I remember. The 64 came out, and I remember the Mario game where it was like the, the 3D where you could see all sides of him. 
that was such a fun game to play. Star Fox came out. Oh, such an amazing game to play. Played a lot of Star Fox. Yeah, but this was one of those games where like my older brothers were already working, so we were able to buy a 64. Uh, it was an amazing game. I loved it. Loved it so much. So much fun playing that. I think the last... I, I, when I stopped after the Nintendo Wii with purchasing Nintendo products. And then I I up I think the PS4 was the last thing I bought, which is, you know, six years ago, probably five years ago at this point. I doubt. I doubt that I I would invest into another another um game console for a very long time. I just don't have the time anymore. <laughs> you know, between work and, and wanting to do my crafts and activities and for example this podcast, you just you know, playing for an hour a day, maybe, or an hour every other day just doesn't seem like it's worth it anymore. Yeah, I've had, uh, I, much like every other console I've ever played, the Nintendo 64 was always just, my friends had them. So you'd go play Mario Kart, you'd go play GoldenEye, you'd go play something. And uh, I knew several people who had them, and that was always something to look forward to as a kid. But, uh, you know, like, I think about it, and I'm like, man, it's a different era how you could keep up with those things when you were at that age because you know you had the time in the world but now i'm like what's a stitch co- what's a you know um, a nintendo switch cost <laughs> like, i'm so far removed from i know it exists but i'm like what does it cost what's his own to that controller too speaking of from a different time like they were still trying to figure out how many hands people had it seemed like that one you know what i mean like they couldn't decide like Let's just put another thing down here. That's just right. see if this works. The 64 had the little yeah, uh, triple gr- thingy yeah. majigger, right? Yeah. Oh, because they're the, the ones who... Yeah, they introduced the thumbstick to see if it was easier yeah, for the, you to you play. Yeah, the regular. Yep, oh, the, that's... Wow, I forgot packs, about that. Back before every controller rumbled. Yeah. Oh, man. Look at you, Gabe. I didn't even bother looking up... Childhood. I didn't even bother looking up a picture of it or even the games that it had. I'm just huh. like, it was amazing. It was great at the time. But that's what our priorities were at the time, Gabe. That's what they were. I remember you used to, so one of my favorite shopping outings was Target, especially if you went to like Target Greatland, like the, the big Target, because their electronics would be expanded. My mom, she she could go do whatever she wanted. I, I would head over to the electronics section and play the demo games on whatever game systems they had, because they used to have... You know, they still, I think they still have some kind of demo-y stuff, but like, I'm sure they not do. the same. They used to have these like very much advertised and you'd have all like, it'd be like 10 or 12 or something demos on the system. Oh yeah. They could play a little bit of the game. I played a lot of, played a lot of stuff at, at Target. Obviously because of where I currently am, I have not seen a Target in years, <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine they still, they still have Just that. think, just, just remember well. Walmart, but nicer. Oh, yeah. Although Walmart always had better, uh, uh, Walmart had a liquor section that uh, that <laughs> the Target eventually cut up on. I think. Hold on. I think Target went with like the we'll have a little liquor, we'll have a little wine, but we're not gonna have a section for it. Yeah, no. We're not Walmart, obviously. <laughs> Pshaw. Pshaw, indeed. Um, before we go, I want to give a shout out to. Heather, because her episode now has become officially the most listened to episode of the uh, podcast. And obviously, this means that um, we have to take advantage of that and invite her back on the show so we can write her coattails and have another episode that becomes the most listened to 
and she can, you know, just keep that title. There's a mandate from our fans, it sounds like. It sounds like the fans are listening and they're asking for it. And uh, Heather, you don't have a choice. I think... Gotta give them what they want. I'm pretty sure you're listening, Heather. And if you're not, uh, somebody that is listening who knows Heather should tell Heather, hey, they need you back on the show because apparently they're struggling. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for listening and I will see you. We'll talk to you next week.